Welcome to TAC Talks, a podcast where we unpack the standards for registered training organisations to provide practical information to support business improvement and compliance practices. My name is Claire Marshall from the Training Accreditation Council, or TAC, and today I'm joined by Claire Werner, one of the TAC auditors. Claire is an expert in the field of training and assessment and the standards for RTOs, and today she'll help us navigate the topic of RTO delivery in the training and education training package. Hello, Claire, and welcome. Hi, Claire. Thanks very much for having me. To start, Claire, let's dive straight in and explain why delivery of qualifications from the training and education package is met with additional requirements under the standards that don't apply to RTOs delivering other training packages. Why is this training package so important and these additional requirements are placed on those who deliver the qualification? Well, the capability of the VET workforce is and has been the focus of research and reform agendas for many, many years. In 2019, NCVER, through a national workforce survey, detailed that just over 70,000 people, or 29% of staff working within RTOs, were employed as trainers and assessors in our sector. All of those VET trainers and assessors had to learn their training and assessment skills somewhere in the RTOs that deliver the TAE training package. According to TGA, there are currently 116 RTOs that deliver the Certificate 4 in training and assessment, and their contribution to and importance in the sector can't be underestimated. So the people who deliver and assess training products from the TAE training package are critical to supporting quality outcomes in the VAT sector. They're in a unique position of being role models for all other trainers and assessors. So we want to make sure that we have the right people in those roles. So it's no wonder then that the standards have additional requirements for those people who are going to deliver training and assessment qualifications and skill sets, and that the VET regulators have additional requirements for those RTOs who are going to add training products from the TAE training package to their scope. Thanks, Claire. From time to time, TAC gets queries from stakeholders asking why additional requirements are in place. So the background is very useful. Could you explain in further detail some of the additional requirements for RTOs wanting to add the TAE training products to their scope of registration? I can. Uh, Let's start with the people who are going to do the delivery and assessment from the TAE training package. Our standards have three clauses that focus on these people, and they are clauses 122, 123 and 124. And those clauses also reference a schedule in the standard, Schedule 1. So Clause 122 is a general requirement that applies across all qualifications and skill sets and units in the TAE training package. It says that you must hold the qualification that you are delivering or assessing at least to the level that it is delivered and assessed at. So if you're going to deliver and assess the Diploma of Vocational Education and Training, you'll need to hold that qualification or higher. You couldn't deliver this qualification if you only held the Certificate 4 in Training and Assessment. So 122 sets the baseline for your competence in the vocational area of Training and Assessment. Clause 123 is about the Certificate 4 in Training and Assessment. This qualification is the entry-level qualification for all trainers and assessors in our sector and it's the cornerstone of the trainers and assessors' knowledge and skill. 
in 2020, NCVR did a research project about the makeup of the vet sector workforce, and they found that 94% of trainers and assessors in the vet sector held this qualification. So the sector asked itself a question. Given the importance of this qualification, what knowledge and skill level do we want trainers and assessors of this qualification to have? Is holding the certificate for enough? The answer was a resounding no. These people need to have a higher level of knowledge and skill. And in fact, we went a little further. We also decided that assessment is so important to our sector that any person who delivers and assesses an assessor skill set also has to have a higher level of knowledge and skill. So Clause 123 and Schedule 1 tell us what that higher level of knowledge and skill can be. Basically, people who deliver and assess the Certificate for in Training and Assessment or any one of the assessor skill sets are required to hold the Diploma of Vocational Education and Training or the Diploma of Training Design and Development. And that can be the 2011 2016 or the successor to the 2016 versions of that qualification or you could have a higher level qualification in adult education. So I guess the next question Claire is what happens then if you don't hold one of the qualifications? Can you be supervised to deliver the certificate for or the assessor skill sets? It's a really simple answer to this one. Yes, you can. So clause 124 sets out the conditions for that supervision. And it says that you can be supervised as long as you hold the TAE 40116 Certificate 4 in Training and Assessment and you do not determine the assessment outcomes. So in practice, this means that you can train under supervision, you can collect evidence under supervision, but you cannot make an assessment decision. Thanks for that. So the standards make it very clear that supervision is allowed. So then, Claire, tell me, what exactly does supervision equate to? What does it mean practically for the RTOs? It's certainly worth spending a little more time talking about supervision. There are two main purposes for supervision. The first is to provide the person who is under supervision with an opportunity to develop the knowledge and skills required to deliver training, even though they don't hold the required credential. And secondly, it's to ensure that the students who are being taught by the person being supervised receive a quality training and assessment service from the RTO. Supervision, therefore, needs to be a really thorough and planned process within the RTO. I think we should talk about a couple of key things that you need to manage in that supervision process. The first is the supervisor. It's really important to choose the right supervisor. For the TAE, this person has to hold the qualifications that we talked about before with Clause 123, the Diploma or the Higher Adult Education Qualifications. That supervisor needs to be committed to being a good supervisor. They're going to be a coach, a mentor, and they're going to be responsible for implementing the supervision plan. And probably most importantly, they are responsible for the quality of the outcomes for the person that they are supervising. The second thing is the supervision plan. A supervision plan is exactly what it sounds like. It's an agreement between the supervisor and the person being supervised detailing what's going to be done, when and how. Good supervision plans are based on the needs of the person who is being supervised. 
They're clear and unambiguous in setting out what the person being supervised can do, as well as what monitoring activities are going to be undertaken and when they're going to happen. Good supervision plans are living documents. They'll record the outcomes of the supervision activities, provide feedback for the person being supervised, and detail any actions that need to be taken by either the person being supervised or the supervisor, and they will evolve over time. Thank you. That helps in understanding both the purpose of and what demonstrates effective supervision. I know the standards have another requirement for RTOs seeking to add or who already have the TAE training product on scope. That is, RTOs must have undergone an independent validation of its assessment systems, tools, processes and outcomes. I also know there are prescribed requirements on how this is done. Can you tell us what independent validation means and what it looks like for the RTOs? You're absolutely right, Claire. There is uh, a clause in the standards that is about independent validation and is clause 125 and also schedule 2. So clause 125 says that the RTO has to have an independent validation of its assessment system, assessment tools, processes and outcomes. And Schedule 2 actually outlines the requirements for RTOs that already have a training product from the TAE training package on their scope, as well as for those that are adding it uh, for the very first time. So for a validation to be independent, it has to be conducted by someone who's not associated with your RTO for any other purpose other than conducting that validation. So it can't be one of your trainers and assessors. It can't be a past trainer and assessor, a past student, a consultant you use for other work, such as helping you out with the compliance aspects of your business. What this does is it helps to manage the conflict of interest. If I have some form of vested interest in your RTO, can I make an objective assessment about whether the assessment system, tools, etc. that you propose to use are quality? No. So as with supervision, the person who conducts the validation also needs to be the right person. They have to have current knowledge and skill in vocational education and training and learning and they have to have the training and assessment qualification or assessor skill set, at least to the level that's being validated. They are going to focus on reviewing the training and assessment tools for a minimum of four units from a qualification, as well as information from the trainers and assessors about who is going to be involved. TAC has a list of that additional evidence that they want the RTO to submit on their website, and all RTOs who are considering this should access that list. So Claire, what would you leave as a takeaway message today for our listeners? The qualifications and the skill sets in the TAE training package are so important for our sector that we rightly place a significant focus on them through our standards. TAC has a fact sheet on this topic as well as information available in their user's guide for the standards and I would encourage you to read that fact sheet and take note of any updates to these requirements as our sector continues to evolve. Thank you for speaking with us today Claire and providing us with a deeper understanding of the topic. I just want to remind listeners that there's additional support material on this topic available on the TAC website at tac.wa.gov.au such as the fact sheet delivery of training and assessment qualifications. You've been listening to TAC Talks with myself and Claire Werner on the topic of delivery of training and assessment qualifications. We thank you for joining us.